0: My name's Lee. Um, I Have the privilege of working here at St Thomas's as the associate minister, and it's just a real joy to be part of this uh, church community. And um, we had a volunteers' party on Friday, which was fantastic. Everyone that serves St Thomas's came to this place, and we had a fantastic time, didn't we? Just put your hand up if you came to the party on Friday night. Look at that. Yes. So next year. If you missed out this time, make sure that you um, sign up to a team and come next year uh, to the Volunteers Party. It's something not to be missed. And um, I just love being part of this church community. And today, as Ben said earlier, um, we've just recently had our third child. So I'm now a dad to three girls. Please do pray for me. And today is a special day because it is Father's Day for that reason. And so happy Father's Day uh, to you um, it's just wonderful to celebrate your love for other people, but ultimately we love because of God's love for us. I'd love you to prepare to read from the scripture this morning from Matthew 9. So um, do get that ready on your phone or in your Bible uh, we'll come to that shortly. But first of all, I'd love to just read you a little note that I found in my Bible this week as I opened it up in preparation for today. It looks like this, with a couple of like flamingo-type birds on, and it says, To Daddy, I love you so much. You always put a smile on my face. You're the best daddy ever. Love from Amara. And that just warmed my heart. And as I read that, I thought, Lord, your timing is just so perfect. In preparation for Father's And it made me think, how much more true is that of our heavenly father? If a child can love her father so much just like that, how much more does our heavenly father love us as his children? And that is my prayer for us all today, that as we gather, the reason we gather like this is to receive his love for us, but also to show him our, our love for him through our worship. And today, as we explore this passage together, we're going to see how God the Father invites us to join in the work of his son Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to explore this radical love that Jesus has for his people. And as we do that, I hope we get pulled in to the incredible cavern of love that God has for you and for me because God and his love is so magnificent. In fact, it's radical. The apostle Paul says in Romans chapter five, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is radical love. And friends, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And this sermon series is all about how we respond to the radical love of God, the radical life that we're to live. And as we look at Jesus' radical life and teaching today, his sacrificial love for us, I pray that we will see that Jesus calls you and me to live radical lives for him as a response. I wonder, what is the most radical thing you have done in your life. wonder what that is. I mean, I, I, to, to be honest, I've struggled to answer that question myself. Um, I think people would label me as a little bit radical, but I, I think what they mean is probably a bit spontaneous and chaotic. Uh, so you know, I've done, I've done radical things in some people's eyes, like jumped out of an airplane with a piece of fabric and hope, you know, hope that that would uh, save my life. That was pretty radical. But I think today we're talking about something even more extreme than that. Last week, Adam talked about the radical call. And today, as we look through this passage, we're going to be outworking, you know, what, what does that look like for us as we explore the radical few? So let's read the passage. Matthew 9, beginning at verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages To send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so as we work through this passage together today, I want us to explore three things together. The first one is we're going to look at this radical kingdom. Secondly, we're going to explore the radical ministry of Jesus and the ministry that he calls us to. And thirdly, we're going to unpack the radical ask. What is it that is asked of you and for me? And so, are you in? Are you in and on board to be part of the radical few for such a time as this? Let's delve in. The radical kingdom, beginning at verse 35. So Jesus here, he models what it, what it looks like, the, the radical kingdom. And friends, let's be clear. The radical kingdom is all about King Jesus. The kingdom of God is about revealing who the king is and the restoration of the king with his people, you and me. Now, what does this look like? If we glance over the passage, we can see very clearly that this kingdom looks like word and action because Jesus teaches and Jesus heals. Now, one of the dangers of the church today is that we can think that it's a little bit like driving a car having only studied for the theory test. Now, when I passed my car theory test, let me tell you, I was not ready at all to drive a car. Yes, we need to understand kingdom theory, but we need to also, as Jesus teaches us, put it into practice. And because the workers are few, as the passage says, if we don't do that, who will? Now, Matthew, he tells us that Jesus models this himself. Verse 35, what does he do? He teaches, he proclaims, he heals. Now, just think about this for a moment. This involves Jesus' whole being, his mind, his hands, his mouth. His feet. Jesus is present in every situation. He is not distant, nor is he absent, but he is at the right, the front, and the center of people's lives in communities where the people are. And he's concerned about every human affliction. But he does something about it. You see, where Jesus is, there is radical power. Word and action together, this can only be a recipe for radical kingdom impact. The Apostle Paul recognised this himself. In 1 Corinthians 2, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And friends, it's this demonstration of God's love is this place where the kingdom of God breaks into people's lives. We only need to look at Jesus' ministry in people's lives and society today to see a picture of this radical kingdom that Jesus continues to usher in. We only need to look at this chapter alone itself, chapter 9. What do we see throughout? We see Jesus healing a paralyzed man. We see Jesus healing a woman from constant bleeding. We see Jesus raise a dead girl back to life. I mean, that's pretty radical, right? Jesus healed two blind men. Jesus cast out a a demon from a possessed man. Jesus lived a radical life. And the best thing about the kingdom of God is that it isn't confined to the history books and it isn't confined to this book, the Bible. The radical kingdom is being ushered in today in our midst. As we step out, God steps in. And let me encourage you, all of us have far more authority than we realise so much more authority than we currently operate in, and that's for me too. It's a challenge. Just this week, um, as I was heading home on the metro, excuse me. Um, there was a bit of a queue, and then these two ladies came and stood next to me as we were waiting. It, and it was a good 13 minute wait for the next metro. And um, these two ladies were just having a great time. They've obviously had a day out in Newcastle. They've been shopping and had some food and drink. And uh, they're on their way home. They were pretty exhausted. And um, to to be honest, they were were struggling with certain things. Um, First of all, a lady said, oh, my back is killing. And my ears pricked up. I'd already built a bit of a rapport. We'd been uh, having a bit of banter, and asking each other some questions, and you know, when's the metro coming? Is this the right way home? I don't know where you live, but yes, it is for me. So I, I felt like there was a little bit of a relationship there, and she said, "Oh, my back is killing." And I thought immediately, this is an opportunity. Before I had a chance to even get over, oh no, can I really do this? No, I can't. Yes, I can. The other lady said oh, my hip. I thought, okay, well, we can work with two. And then the first lady said, yeah, and my knee's not been right since last year. I thought, okay, we've got three here. And I'm I'm thinking, I've got a memory like a sieve. We've got the hip, we've got the back, we've got the knee. And then the other lady says, do you know, I've not had a bath since last year because I can't get in it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we could probably pray that she's able to have a bath again because she obviously enjoys a good bath. Then the other one came in and said, oh, I've got a splitting headache. And at this point, the train arrives and I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, and I just thought to myself, you've got too much. I can't pray for it. I don't know what I can do. And I left that situation really, really kicking myself because what I did was I took it all on myself instead of just relying on the Holy Spirit and God, God to do a work in their life. I should have just bit the bullet, taken a risk and stepped out in faith. And I tell you that to be accountable, but to be honest and hopefully it encourages you. Sometimes we just don't do it. What would it look like if we all did? You see, the call to radical discipleship its for all of us to imitate, to imitate Jesus' life, to step out. His life and ministry is a model for you and for me today. Now, as Jesus, he said this to his father in heaven. He said, as you sent me, into the world, I have sent them, meaning us, into the world. And when Jesus commissioned his followers, he said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus literally sends you and me to live a radically different life that ushers in a radically different Kingdom. A guy called William Temple, who used to be um, Archbishop of Canterbury, he used this to illustrate the point and he uses Shakespeare as an example. He says, it is no good giving me a play like Hamlet or King Lear and telling me to write a play like that. Shakespeare could do it. I can't. And it is no good showing me a life like the life of Jesus and telling me to live a life like that. Jesus could do it. I can't. But if the genius of Shakespeare could come and live in me, then I could write plays like his. And if the spirit of Jesus could come and live in me, then I could live a life like we may feel inadequate to model the radical life of Jesus or be creating wonderful works of art like Shakespeare on our own. But with the spirit of Jesus living within us, we can expect to live a radical kingdom life. It was John Wimber who said, even though the 12 were given authority and power of the kingdom, They still had to exercise it. Until they actually healed the sick and cast out demons, their power and authority meant little to them. You see, to understand what you have, you actually have to use it. He says, and if you want more, you have to give away what you've already been given. When I was younger, I worked at Beverley Minster and I remember the day I was given, given the keys to Beverley Minster. Just a disclaimer, these are not still the keys of Beverley Minster. These are garden keys from m and You can buy them for five quid if you want them. But I was given the keys to one of England's most greatest medieval monuments at a young age. And I carried these round in my pocket. I looked after them. I put them under my bed at night to keep them safe. The weight of responsibility, the wonder and awe that was going through my mind of what a privilege it is to hold and possess the keys to Beverly Minster. And you know what? I left it weeks until I used them for the first time. But all of that awe and wonder was not realised until I put the key in the door for the first time and opened up Beverly Minster all by myself. You see, we can have the authority, but until we begin to use it, it means little. We're called to use the authority that God has given you and me. And that means when we walk into any situation, we are carriers of Jesus' presence and his authority. And God is in that place. Why? Because he's in us. And the word of God tells us this throughout scripture. When we abide in him, he abides in us. So really... Should we expect anything less than seeing the healed sick, demons cast out, the dead raised to life? No. This is the kingdom of God. This is what I pray and long to see in our time. Do you? Let's look at the radical ministry of Jesus in verse 36, because Jesus has a heart of compassion. Jesus' deep compassion for the lost, the hurting, the marginalized is evident. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. You see, the radical nature of Jesus' ministry is full of compassion. He cares deeply for people's needs, spiritual, physical, emotional needs, and both are often tied together. You see, Jesus could see beyond the exterior, the surface of people's lives. He had the ability to look inward into people's hearts. And so often his healings transformed, yes, the physical, but also the spiritual, the emotional. So here's a question for us. How much do we operate or not as a church? in response to people's visible needs while unintentionally perhaps neglecting the profound inner healing that we know Jesus can bring, both in us, but for others too. And I'd like to suggest the main reason why Jesus had compassion on them was because they were shepherdless. Scripture, it tells us they were harassed they were helpless. Jesus could see that they were lost, that they were scattered sheep, that they were lacking guidance, care and protection. And today, don't we, we? We still encounter people in our daily lives who are struggling, who are feeling lost, who are alone. And it's out of Jesus' love for us that we too are stirred into this radical ministry to extend a compassionate hand to those who are harassed and helpless. We only need to walk down our main shopping street, Northumberland Street. And to be honest with you, some days it is overwhelming, isn't it? The need in people's lives that we see on the street. There is real need for Christ's love to be known. But it's for us too as well, isn't it? If we're honest with ourselves, are we harassed? Are we helpless? If we're honest. Life just sometimes has a way of harassing us, isn't it? Perhaps that is you today. Are you carrying those things with you today? Now, the Greek word for helpless here can be tra- translated as being cast away. Perhaps today you feel cast aside. Jesus wants you to know that he has compassion for you. He has compassion for you today. He wants you to draw close to him. He wants to pull you into his tender loving care and restore you into the care of his loving arms. How can we cultivate this heart of compassion that we see in Jesus Christ. Well, one person that continues to inspire me today in radical living is Jackie Pollinger. I don't know if you've, you know her story. If you've not read um, her story, uh, she has a book called Chasing the Dragon. I really recommend you read that. And she said this. She said, my message is always the same. It's how to get us so sure enough of God's love so we can go out and share it with the lost. Having tasted all of his love, all I wanted to do was to share it until I died. Wow, how amazing is that? Now, Jackie, if you don't know, she's, she has dedicated her whole life to serving and bringing hope to the marginalized, to particularly to drug addicts in Hong Kong's famous walled city. She was called by God in the 1960s to go out to Hong Kong, which is just densely uh, populated with lots of social issues, poverty, crime, drug addiction, so many more. But with her heart of compassion and a deep faith of God's transformative power at work today, she moved to Hong Kong and she began her radical, extraordinary ministry. She has a commitment, second to none, to meet people's physical, emotional, spiritual needs in the name of Jesus. She wants people to encounter the radical love of Jesus, to experience his, his love, but his healing too. And do you know what? What is encouraging for you and I, is that Jackie is one person who ministers today with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. One person who ministers in the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power lives in you and me. Wow. You know, there's not one situation in the world that God cannot break into. And the missing jigsaw in all of this, it isn't God. We know his power. It's us. And my prayer for us all today, myself included, is that we would know that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God can and he wants to use the likes of you and me to be hope in this world because let's be honest the world is screaming for it so let me ask you where is it where are the places who are the people that god is asking you to have compassion for because as you go to the harassed and the helpless we've seen in this passage that he will show and finally the radical ask, verses 37 to 38. I don't know about you, but like my story of meeting the two ladies on the Metro, a life of radical ministry can sometimes seem overwhelming. And particularly when we hear that the harvest is great and the workers are few. Turn it around. That word great The great harvest is actually a promise. It's a harvest of people. It's not to be feared. Jesus acknowledges that even though the workers are few, he goes on to suggest a solution for us. What does he do? He invites us to partake in his radical ask. Let's look at verse 38. What does it say? Some translations just say ask Others say ask. And pray. Ask and pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into the field. We simply need to ask and pray to the Lord of the harvest more than ever to send more workers into the field, even here on the streets of the United Kingdom. Because our nation, our city, Our communities needs a radical community, a radical few of Jesus' disciples to work the barren lands on our very own doorstep. There's a need for us today to ask and to pray that the Lord does the same here in Newcastle. You know, stats for our diocese, are sobering. They would suggest that 99% of people living in this region have no relationship with Jesus. Are you in to be part of the radical few? Now we know, don't we, when harvest comes, that it's crucial to get the harvest in at the right time. Because if we get it wrong, it's disastrous. But if we get it right, it's great. The question is Will we have a famine or a feast attitude to the kingdom of God? What will your attitude be? Because this is for everyone. It is for everyone. And the radical few, it applies to everybody in this room. However, you spend your days. It applies to you. This is the call on your life to receive and act on today. And our job is to simply ask to pray to the Lord of the harvest. A Scottish evangelist called Oswald Chambers, um, he reminds us, he said this, that prayer does not equip us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work. I love reading about um, revival stories and um, Rachel and I were privileged to have our, part of our honeymoon in the Hebridean Islands and uh, whilst we were there, we discovered the great uh, revival work uh, outpouring of God's spirit that he did there um, in the middle of last century. Let me tell you a little bit of the story. In a small cottage by the roadside in the village of Bavas lived two elderly sisters, Peggy and Christine Smith. They were 84 and 82 years of old. Peggy was blind and Christine was almost bent double with arthritis. They were unable to attend church and their humble cottage became a sanctuary where they met God. They were both burdened by the state of the church in the parish because not one person was attending. And so they committed themselves to prayer. Then they came to this scriptural promise. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. They prayed this day in, day and night. This became became their prayer as they pleaded with God to pour out his Holy Spirit. And one night as they were praying, the Lord gave Peggy a revelation that revival was coming. Friends, revival came to the Hebrides in 1949. It was marked by prayer, a deep conviction of sin, powerful preaching, unity among believers, a hunger for God's word, supernatural signs. And it has had a lasting impact on the Hebridean communities. Friends, the harvest is great. The workers are few. And if God can use two sisters What can he do when we offer ourselves to his radical service? We only need to look at the next chapter, the verse immediately after the one we've just read, chapter 10. And what does Jesus do? He sends out the 12 to cast out evil spirits, to heal every disease. And so as we read these words afresh today, you know what? It might just be you who the Lord wants to send. Because a radical life for Jesus begins with saying to the Lord, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Will that be your prayer today? Perhaps if I could just invite band um, to come back. We've explored what this radical kingdom of Jesus looks like. We've explored the radical ministry of Jesus, the same ministry he calls you and I to today. We've discovered that actually we don't have to do it in our own strength. That it's not all on us, but the promise is the harvest is great. The workers are few, yes, but we simply have to ask and pray and we'll see a harvest like we've never seen before. Will you be in? And so can I invite you, if you'd like to respond to the message today, respond by saying, here I am, Lord, I'm in. Perhaps I could just invite you to stand where you are. And maybe you just want to put your hands out in front of you as a sign of surrendering ourselves to God, saying, here I am, Lord. I open myself up to you today. I invite you, Lord, to pour out your Holy Spirit into my life right now. Fill me with the same Spirit Lord, that raised your son, Jesus, from the dead. Fill me with the same spirit that the disciples went out with to cast out demons, to heal the blind, to heal diseases, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. Send us, Lord, in the power of your spirit to live and work for your praise and glory. And as you send us, Lord, we commit today to continually ask and pray that we wouldn't operate in a poverty spirit. And forgive us, Lord, when we do that but that we're operating in full knowledge and power, that it's you who delivers in full power. We choose to live a radical life for you today, Jesus. Amen.